Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Folks, my next guest is an Emmy-nominated actress who now stars in the new CBS show, Doubt. Let's go drink. I can't. Isaiah thinks Sadie's better than me. I need to prove him wrong. He just thought a fresh pair of eyes could help. Since when have I needed help? Why are you taking this personally? Instead of psychoanalyzing me, let's try to figure out how we can make a Jerese Lester's crazy. 20 years of psychiatric records. They don't buy it. They hear how he's this violent schizophrenic and all they see is a guy taking a nap. His meds make him sleepy. So take him off. Unmedicated, he's completely unpredictable. If I'm a juror, I need to see this isn't some calculated thing. I need to, I need to hear the ranting. Barking. Barking. He barks when he's excited. Please welcome Laverne Cox. also a beautiful dress. Thank you. It's lovely to finally meet you, Stephen. Lovely to meet you, too. I'm part of the CBS family now. Welcome. So that means we're in the same family. Have you ever... Did you ever imagine that a girl like me would be in your family? <laughs> well, I'll show you my dream journal someday. <laughs> uh, you... Is there a drawing of me? Uh, uh, I don't need one, because here you are. Um, speaking of dream journals... Mm -hmm. um, this is a fan. May I show this photo? Yes. Okay, all right. This was you last night with uh, Beyonce at the Grammys. Okay. Are you doing okay? Are you going to be all right? Stephen, I met the queen. <laughs> I met the queen, and you know, I've often imagined this day. I've dreamed of the day. It was actually happened at night at the Grammys last night. And I thought, you know, it's the funny thing is when I was getting ready yesterday, I was like, oh my God, if I meet Beyonce tonight, I'm going to start crying. And I started crying thinking about it in my apartment. I was like, <laughs> alone in my apartment. Oh yeah, alone in my apartment, just in tears. And the interesting thing about when you meet the queen, a calm comes over you. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, this I'm sure happened. she's very nice. I was, get me a wrong. calm came over me, and I did not cry. I was strangely calm. I walked up to her. She passed me in the aisle, and then the commercial break came, and I was like, this is my chance. And I get up, and I'm like, okay, Trace, Trace, my girlfriend, Trace is with me. I'm going to go. So I go, and she's talking to some folks, and she's seated, and she's beautifully pregnant now. And I kind of peek over, and I smile at her. And she sees me, and her face lights up. In the moment she sees me, she's like, help me up, help me up. Beyonce got up. She got up for me. 
And she had heard from her, a lot of her people that I'm a huge fan. She actually sent me flowers. I did um, a Destiny's Child song for Lip Sync Battle, this wonderful show on Spike. Long story short, Beyonce was, I know, right? Beyonce was incredible. She was so sweet, and it was, I was very calm. I got back to my seat and I cried, but I did not cry when I met her. I'm so happy for you. Thank you that so much. That is a fantastic story. Thank well, you. you also, you were there for the whole night. You must be exhausted. You red-eyed back to the I East Coast? I flew back on a red-eye, yes. And I did sleep most of the time, but I'm completely exhausted now. But oh all for you, Stephen. You look fantastic. All when I did the red-eye, my face looks like a catcher's mitt the next day. <laughs> I have an amazing hair and makeup team. Shout out to Deja, who did my makeup, Deja Smith, and um, I'm slit dip my hair. So I have a really good team. I wish I could say that I woke up like this, but unfortunately. Well, uh, last night when you were introducing Lady Gaga and Metallica, you gave the audience uh, an assignment, both there yes. and at home. You said, everyone Google Gavin Grimm. Who is Gavin Grimm and why should we Google him? Gavin Grimm is a 17-year-old young man from Gloucester, Virginia, and he is going to the Supreme Court March 28th, and it will be the first time that the Supreme Court is hearing a case on transgender rights. Gavin Grimm had to sue the Board of Education in Gloucester to be able to use the boys' bathroom as like, all the other boys in his school are able to because he is transgender, and they enacted a law saying that he couldn't do that. And so Gavin had to go to a bathroom way off, you know, that was a, a, you know very much like Hidden Figures, that moment and hidden yeah. figures with mm -hmm. um, Taraji when she has to walk like 45 minutes to a different bathroom. It's very much like that. And um, so I felt like people weren't talking enough about this case and this is the first time um, the Supreme Court is hearing a case about trans rights and if we lose this, our rights could be set back for a really long time. And, like, and I think what people need to know is what my uh, friend Chase Strangio says from the ACLU is that these anti-bathroom, anti-trans bathroom bills are not really about bathrooms. They're about whether or not trans people have the right to exist in public space. Because if we can't use public bathrooms, we can't go to schools, we can't work, we can't um, go to healthcare facilities. So it's really about us having a right to exist in public space. And I exist and I have a right to exist in public space, right? <laughs> CVS is a public space. CVS is a very so public everyone, space. So, so everyone, please... Stand with Gavin Grimm, supporting him. He's going to the Supreme Court March 28th. And we have to continue to elevate the stories of trans people. That's why I'm so excited about my new show, Doubt, and you showed a clip of. Um, because that's a great way to begin to change the narrative. Because there's a narrative about trans people that, that is being per, um, perpetrated that is not really who we are. Your character is also a trans woman. Yes, she okay. is. Um, she's an attorney. Um, um, Doubt premieres Wednesday night at 10 p.m. right here on CBS. Beat me to the punch. <laughs> beat me to the punch. Now, your your character, Sophia Brissett, yes. uh, was on the other side of the law in Orange is the New Black. Yes. You think your new character, what's your new character's name? Cameron Worth. Could Cameron Worth get Sophia off the hook? Could she get her out? So Cameron's, Cameron's a defense attorney, and I believe she could, because Cameron's superpower, according to my showrunners, is that she has a capacity to um, convey empathy, deep empathy, to a jury and to a judge for the clients that she, um, that she represents. So I do believe that she would be able to... Um, make a jury understand why Sophia stole those identities and those credit cards to fund her transition, <laughs> and she would be able to get her off, um, get her acquitted. <laughs> Either one. Either one, darling. Either one. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you for being lovely here. Lovely to meet you as well. Down premieres this Wednesday at 10 p.m. on CBS. Laverne Cox, everybody. Coming up, Jim Parsons. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, 
NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Late Show Pod Show listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest tonight is an Emmy award-winning actor you know as the non-young version of Sheldon. From the Big Bang 30, please... (laughs) Please welcome Jim Parsons! What did you just call it? I did... I I said... I called your show... The Big... I called the Big Bang... I called your show The Big Bang 30. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's about how long we've been doing it. Well, yeah, well, uh, uh, final season, season now Thursday. Thursday. Uh, not giving anything away here by saying you're getting married. Wedding bells are char- wedding bells. Yes, yes. Not or since Sheldon Luke and, and Laura on, on, on General Hospital have we had a bigger wedding. No. Um, is yeah. anybody in here old enough to have watched Luke and Laura get married? Really? Buddy, buddy, summer of 1979? 80? 80, summer of 1980. Is that what it was? Absolutely. Elizabeth Taylor was there? Sure. Do you remember that? Yeah, Absolutely. This is not where we thought this interview was going, did we? I've steered I, us into I a ditch. Okay, good. Here we are. Time. But you yourself, uh, uh, last time you were here, you had just gotten married. I had just gotten, gotten married ditch. yourself. Yes, that's right. To your husband Official. Todd. That's right. So you're a year in. That's we're almost a time. year in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What? Uh, it's a good thing. It is a good thing. It's a very good thing. I'm a fan of being married. Yeah, I've enjoyed it even more than I thought. Any any milestones of the first year we need to know about? No, no. I would say the only weird hitch has been an occupational hazard, which is this, which is the the ring, ring, which has to come off for a lot of roles. Oh, because... And it sits in a dressing room. Well, he will be soon, and I'm hoping I get to wear this for it. But, um... I, I've left it in a dressing room more than once. Oh, my God. The one that I returned to. It's not like they lock it up and never go back, obviously. But um, the first time it happened, Todd was unamused. <laughs> I can imagine I so. mean, I can only imagine what that seemed to say to somebody who doesn't go to work and take off their clothes and jewelry as soon as they get there. Um, <laughs> but he's gotten used to it now. And I've gotten better about keeping it. Just last week, I left it in the theater, so... Do you, do you have to sort of like keep twisting it like a dog with a new collar? Or That's how like I that? knew it was gone because I got home and was like, ah, you know. <laughs> but I had you, the same thing happen. With your ring? It was shortly after I got married. By the month after I got married, I booked a commercial or something like that. And the commercial, they said, hey, we don't think this guy's married. Would you take the ring off? I said, sure. Put it in an envelope, put it in the locker oh, they God. gave me. Went home. It was a Friday. And I'm like, gookie. No. And I, and, I, and I called and they said, yeah, it's all locked up. You can get it Monday. No. So I spent the weekend like this with one hand in my you pocket. You didn't let her know? No. <laughs> This is how she's finding out oh, right now. God. Twenty-five oh. years later. I'll be honest I was with terrified. you. I'm sure it was. But see, this is one of the re- other than just sheer love and devotion. This is one of the reasons I can't live with any level of deceit. It makes me sick. That whole trying not to hide something like that from yeah. the person that you're supposed to be, yeah. or that you are. I didn't lie. <laughs> Intimate. I mean, you I know. I didn't lie. I didn't lie. No, you didn't. But boy, you covered. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I could be president. We know of the what you're States. made of. That's right. That's right. You could. Boy, did I cover. Rudy out there for me and everything. Oh my God! Well, okay. Well, now, uh, now you're back on Broadway after three years. I am. You've got a, a new show. It's at the Booth Theater. It's uh, the Boys in the Band. New production of a very the old show. Yeah. Originally, I got a question about 50. this. I'm confused. Yeah. I'm confused about three things. Oh God! It's the Boys in the Band. Yes. Okay. You're you're, you're not boys. You're clearly men. Yeah. There there is no band. No. And take a look at this. There are no turtlenecks in this play. <laughs> no one wears black turtlenecks in this play. This is false okay, advertising. I, well, I this... thought I was going to go in and see like uh, some sort oh. of German expressionist God. Uh, performance. No, there's no turtlenecks in the play. Okay, first yeah. off, The Boys in the Band is, I think, a reference to a line in a Judy Garland film. I think it's Judy Garland, where the yeah. guy says to her, don't be nervous, just go in there and sing like you did for The Boys in the Band when he saw... I don't really understand this, so... There's that. Yeah. Um, the turtlenecks are because this is the 50th anniversary production of this play, which was first in 1968, when it was very, very groundbreaking. I mean, this was the first kind of insight into what gay life may look like um, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it, for those who don't know, it all takes place at a birthday party for one of the main characters played by Zach Quinto. And... Um, hits the fan during the evening. But uh, also in the process, you get a lot of the way these men talk to each other and relate to each other and the way they feel about the world comes out. And in, pri- in private, because uh, they their, their sexuality the, had to be hidden at in the, the time. In the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is set in 1968. It's not updated. It's still set yeah, in that period of time. Y- yes, yes. But we don't kind of hit over the head with that. You don't really need to, we find. But, um, but yes, in general, it still is. It's not updated. Um, what was my point? You had, oh, the turtlenecks. So, uh, I mean, really, the questions he's asked, I'm like, how can I keep them straight? Um, this was a mimic, a copy of the original, one of the original very popular publicity stills done for the okay. original guys. Right. Um, do you have any more questions? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where else to go. Uh, hold on, let me see. Let me see. Please, uh, please flip through. Uh-huh. And so, is there, is there a Lexus in any of the... No, no. And nor do I drive one in real life. Well, as you said, it was written in 1968. Um, Which which struck you more performing this? Uh How how much has changed or how many things have stayed the same? Um, At the onset, I would say that how much has changed. You know, the first time I ever read this play was recently when they they discussed bringing it back and would I want to be a part of it. And I read it and I had never seen it and I'd never read it. And I had many feelings about what the initial big one was. What? is this? Because there is, there's so much frustration in these guys, deservedly so, because of the product at the time that they were in. And there are many things about that that seem like, oh, foreign, you know, how fortunate that they seem so foreign. But the more we've worked on it, and the more we've dealt with it, and the more we've participated in the conversations of the play, you're like, it's, there's a lot of differences, but there's so much similarity. And even on the very first day of rehearsal, this may sound strange, but to be in a room filled with nothing but eight other gay actors, um, it was tonally different immediately. And there was a certain parlance, a way of talking with each other immediately that while not exactly the same as that, was his own language and was its own way of being that we all fell into immediately with each other. And I don't know what that is. Um, ex- I, I mean, I guess that's the band, and that's, you know, in one way of looking at it. But... Um, so I don't know. I think that's why it's really fun to do this right now. I think especially right now, 
you know, two steps forward, one steps back seems to be the way a lot of progress goes. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this, is, is, this doesn't need updating. I mean, this, this specifically doesn't need updating depending on where you are in the in country. In the country, yeah. absolutely or the world, not. Yeah. It's very yeah. true. Well, you remember that, when, you know the movie Love, Simon that just came out? No. <laughs> I, don't yes, wanna li- do. I don't want to lie to you. Oh, you don't? About the, the, guy, the, gay, the gay guy in high school who came out. Oh, yeah, and, I know this. Yeah. Wasn't it called Love, Simon? It is. Anyone? Yeah. It is. Okay. Now I, I know what you're ta- now, now, I, now I know what you're talking well, about. Well, b- my point is there. I read a couple of articles that were essentially saying... I, I loved it, by the way, but there were a couple of articles that were like, it's too late. It's, I thought, well... What do you mean, too late? That the, 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 we were beyond this now, the kind oh, okay. of tale of coming out that this was. Mm-hmm. And I thought, maybe if you're a 30-something-year-old writer living in New York or L.A., it may be like, I don't need to see this, mm-hmm. obviously. But I don't know. I think there are people in many other places that, yes, you do still need to see it. Never mind the fact, a gay rom-com, it's too late. Well, tell that to When Harry Met Sally, you know, which was brilliant. But I'm saying, how many straight rom-coms do we need? When is it too late for them, you know? There's nothing wrong with them. They're fine. They're lovely. Sure. And I love When Harry Met Sally. I don't know. You know what I'm saying, though? It's time for... It's time for When Mary Met Sally. Exactly. Uh, uh, Let me get sick of too many gay rom-coms then. Thank you very much. Bring it on. We'll see. Well, you're back on Broadway, as I said, for the first time in three years. What's it like to be back uh, on the the Great White Way? Oh, it's heaven. Oh, it's heaven. It's so much fun. There's not a more athletic experience as an actor. What do you mean, athletic? Well... Oh, well, you sort of feel it even out here, I would imagine, a bit. Like, your whole body's on display. You're telling a story when you're in front of a live audience like this and just with everything and sure. no camera. Well, cameras do cut it off. I can see the thing right now. Nobody sees my feet. There, there's my foot. Um, but, but, but there's just something like... I always say it's like I was terrible at sports. I didn't even play sports. I hated them. I was scared to death. I was scared of the ball. But I am not scared on stage, you know. I was scared of getting hurt. Physically, but and on stage, for whatever reason, I'm not scared of getting hurt. The, I, I understand how important it is to tell the story in the same way that somebody who's sporty understands how important it is to score and how important it is to win the game. I couldn't have given a <laughs> I do care about telling a story, though. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, uh, 100%. I did not have caffeine before this appearance, and I've never talked faster in my life. We fit, you fit in a lot of interviews that way. Thank you. Jim, thank you for thank being you here. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.